Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, share your success story. And that's what this show is all about. In the spotlight, a woman who wears many hats. She's a wife, she's a mother, she's a daughter, she's a friend, she's sometimes a cheerleading coach, she's a registered nurse, and she's a movie star. Yes, you heard me right. What movies, you might ask? Well, here's the list. The Fighter, American Hustle, Body of Proof, Zookeeper, Patriot's Day, Joy, Black Mass, Manchester by the Sea, and I'm probably missing a few. I am honored to call her my friend. She is the real deal. Her name is Erica McDermott, and this is her story. Erica, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you here. I feel like we need to have a glass of wine as, as part of our interview process, right? Uh, yes, that was a nice introduction, Candy. Thank you. You are so welcome. When you hear that list of movies, does it feel like it's a story about somebody else? How does it feel? Honestly, when you just did that, I said, I can't, she can't be talking about me. Ten years ago, I never would have imagined that anyone would have those things to say about me. There is a really interesting story about how you got your first big role as Cindy Tar Eklund in the movie The Fighter. Yes, there is. Tell us the story. It was back in 2009. I had just taken some acting classes at what was soon to be Plymouth Rock Studios. They had a great acting coach, Kevin Lassett, taught me how to audition. I went in for an open casting call at Boston Casting using the skills that he taught me. I went in and they were looking for crackheads, tough girls, or small Cambodian men to be in a movie called The Fighter starring Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. So I said, I'm going to go in and see if maybe I could be a tough girl. So I waited in a really long line with hundreds and hundreds of people on a beautiful Saturday. It was gorgeous out. I went in with about 30 other actors, really not knowing what the movie was about at the time. And Angela Perry, one of the owners of Boston Casting, came into the middle of the circle and said, I'm going to come around and take a look at you. And if you don't fit the bill, no offense, you're out. So she went around the room and she started knocking people down. They were going down like dominoes, like, nope, 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 nope. And when she got to me, there was just a little something different that she did that kind of teed it up for me to take that moment where you only have a split second to make a difference. Like Kevin Lassett had told us, he said, you have a split second to get the attention of a casting director. So when she got to me, she said, hey, you're new around here. Hmm, I don't know if you can do what I need you to do. I need you to be a tough girl. I don't know if you can do it. I think you might be too pretty. And so I stepped out of line and I got in her face and I said, you're going to effing put me in this movie. And then I stared at her, and then I got real fresh. She looked at me, and I looked at her for a couple of seconds, and she said, you're not going anywhere. Stay right there. And then she continued in the circle. Honestly, I thought that at the end of the whole thing, she was going to tell me to get out and never to come back, and who did I think I, I was. But I got my first call back that day. It was one of five callbacks before booking a supporting role in that film, The Fighter. An Academy Award-nominated film. Yes. Right? I never saw that one coming <laughs> on okay. that day. Okay. So Angela Perry has been a guest on The Story Behind Her Success. And anyone who would like to know more about her, just pull down that episode. But the reason why I want to mention it is because she tells a very similar story to what you just told regarding you and how she saw you. 
And I asked her the question. I said, so how do you know, Angela, as a casting director? And she said, good question. You just know. And she said what Erica did was she set herself apart from everybody else. You used some profanity. You were up and in her face. The idea was you're supposed to be a tough girl. So you were. And you became memorable to her. And you got the role. Thank you so much. It was it was a scary day, and it took me probably 45 minutes to be able to drive a car after that because I was shaking so bad. Not only did she give you a callback, but she gave you a set of instructions. Talk about that. After that happened, and everybody had left the room, and it was just she and I, and I believe one other actress had been chosen from the group, she said, I would like to see you back on Monday. In the meantime, don't shower. Don't wash your hair. Don't brush your teeth. Don't put any cream on your face. Don't pluck your eyebrows. And when you come in here on Monday for your callback, I want to feel that intimidated again. When you come in here moving forward, I want to feel afraid of you. That was great. We'll see you Monday. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, I can't even believe it. I know. So I followed the instructions. And the further along we went in the process, the more I realized what they were looking for. And I just kind of went with it. And I just couldn't believe I kept getting callback after callback. The fighter was nominated for an Academy Award. And your punching skills landed you a nomination for an MTV Movie Award for Best Fight. Yes. What was it like for you to do those scenes? To really be that scrappy, that dirty, that angry, that brutal, that tough girl? Cindy, what was that like? I really have to tell you that they called the, the sisters in the fight a Greek chorus, where there were so many of us that created one character, yet instead of all being exactly the same, we all had to sit down and figure out exactly what our personalities were going to be. Because within every family, everybody has a job. You have the pretty sister. You have the sister who's more of the, the caretaker. You have a sister who might not be uh, confident, and you then you'd have the angry that was me. I was the one that wanted to start a fight all the time, all the time. We did have someone manage us and teach us. How, it was like a dance, you know. It was Chore- like choreographing the actual the fighting whole scenes. Thing. Yeah. You know, where I told Amy Adams, I said, when you feel my hand touch the back of your head, I mean, it looks like I'm pulling her hair, but I'm not. I'm just making a fist and putting it up to the back of her head. When you feel me and I move my knuckle, that's when your head comes back. So we moved together as a unit. And we must have filmed that porch scene 40 or 50 times. It was 110 degrees. It was in August. And we just did it over and over again. You went with the cast to the Academy Awards. What was that like? We went to the SAG Awards. And we did go to parties for the Academy Awards. It was an unbelievable time for all of us. I mean, who would have thought that this was going to happen to us? We had no idea. But we went to the MTV Movie Awards. Does it feel like an out-of-body experience? It really did. The very first time that we went on the red carpet together for the awards, Melissa Leo, who was just such a generous actress to us, met us when we got out of our car, and we all came together and put our arms around each other, and we looked down at our feet, and she said, take a moment and just look down and just realize where you are, because when we pass through security here, you are not going to believe what's going to happen. And she was right. And to have that moment together as, as a group and to have these girls to go through this experience with so I wasn't alone was so memorable, so important, and so awesome. When you look back on that, what was the biggest lesson for you that day? 
I think I've said this to you before. That day, the biggest lesson to me was you can make a change at any point in your life. I mean, I was in my mid-30s when this happened to me. This just doesn't happen. But I gave it a shot. You got, if, if you feel like you might be able to do something, you have got to give it a shot. American Hustle. Yes. David O. Russell. The movie is kind of like a cult classic, I think, at this point. What do you remember most about that movie? My audition process. My audition process for that was very challenging, and it was awesome. David O. Russell, I felt very fortunate that I got to work with him on creating that character. Her original name was Addie Abrams, and she was going to be a scam artist. He didn't know exactly how she wanted her to be. I had to watch an Alfred Hitchcock movie named Vertigo, which I had never seen. Ultimately, we went from a New Jersey hairdresser to um, a New York Jewish woman to, do, am I going to be really thin? Am I going to be curvy? Am I going to have long hair? And am I going to be funky and disco looking? Or am I going to be classic? It all went back, this is going to sound crazy, but to Steely Dan. We listened to Steely Dan, a lot of Steely Dan that week, and we listened to the music, and we just imagined what this girl would look like and what her jewelry would look like. And we wanted her to be like Tippi Hedren, a fancy updo, very slow speaking, moving with her hands, and very curvy with estate jewelry, where you really didn't know exactly where she got it. <laughs> Boy, do we need a webcam in this studio right now, because she's kind of, you know, becoming the character all <laughs> over again. Black Mass, such a violent film about notorious mobster Whitey Bulger, played by Johnny Depp. And you had interviewed with the Boston Globe, and you had talked about how stunned you were at his ability to transform himself into that character. What is it like to work with A-listers like Johnny Depp, who have this skill set, Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale? What is it like? What have you learned from these people? First off, I cannot think of one person that I worked with that changed the energy in a room like Johnny Depp. When he walked in, you could feel the energy immediately change. Everybody in the room stopped chit-chatting. It was game on. Here he comes, here he comes. Oh my gosh, here he comes. And now I hadn't met Johnny Depp until I first filmed with him. And he sat down and the camera started rolling. And I said, oh my gosh, no one's going to introduce me, I guess. Oh my God, he looks exactly like Whitey Bulger. <laughs> I said, okay, oh, oh my God, I cannot believe I have to do this right now. And he looked so much like him that I just couldn't even focus. So fortunately, the first take was just to check lighting and, and whatnot. And then we took a five-minute break and... The next thing I knew, he was in my right ear. I didn't even see him come. Uh, I mean, he came out of nowhere. He was in my right ear. And he just whispered. He said, I'm really happy to meet you. Every hair on my body was standing up. And I was like, we have to hang out. I have to talk to you. I have to look at you like this in order to be able to function because you look so much like him. And we did. And it was great. And he was awesome. And he's really funny. He's a great guy. And I loved working with him. Wow. You did the film. And I know we talked a little bit before it was getting ready to be released. There was a scene in there where you weren't speaking, but you were looking at someone and piercing them with your eyes. And it didn't make it into the film. When you do something like that, mm -hmm. when you get an opportunity to mm -hmm. be in a big film mm -hmm. and you end up on the cutting room floor, how do you come back from that? For me, even when I don't get a role that I worked really hard for, had several callbacks. Have you seen Hamilton? No. 
there's a song in it called I Just Want to Be in the Room Where It Happens. You got to get into the room. If you can get into the room, that's when you begin winning, regardless of what happens. I've been very fortunate to be in a lot of rooms. I like making friends. When you are in these films, if you do what's expected of you and you do it well and you show up and you're team player, sure, it stings if it doesn't make it into the film. But you know what you did and the people who were there that matter that day know what you did. And it doesn't mean that you didn't do a good job. It just means that it didn't fit or they had to get the time down. Cut it for time. Yeah. More than anything else. And I hope you don't mind my asking you that question. Because for all of us in Boston, you're this woman who made it. You've really done so much with your life. And everyone's very proud of you. Thank you. The ability, though, to rise when you're disappointed As my dad used to say, Candace, it's not how we fall down. It's how we get back up again. You have done so much with your life. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. That's really nice. I want to take it back to you as a young girl growing up. Did you know what you wanted to do with your life? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. These days, more and more people are working from home. When your computer breaks down, you lose business. This is Dave Elmasian, president of TechHelpBoston.com. Our tech experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer. Same day, next day, and weekends too. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted us since 2000. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. I definitely had a lot of energy. I was an only child. I've always been creative. I like art. Public speaking has never bothered me. I'm the one who do the the reading at your wedding. I'm the one that can tell your grandmother the dirty joke. I'm the one that could put on a full-blown show in the living room on a rainy night when there's nothing going on. My friends that I grew up with in Quincy, you know, they've witnessed a lot of that. And we've done a lot of that together. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that, that I had the gall to try to do this in my 30s, but I'm surprised with the way that it went. I still can't believe it. I cannot believe it. When I introduced you at the top of the show, I told everybody that you're also a registered nurse. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How old were you when you became a registered nurse, and what is it that you love about nursing? I was 22 years old when I graduated from Salem State. Some of the girls that I went to school with will also tell you that, you know, I goofed around the whole time. I told jokes and and whatnot. After graduation, I really liked pediatric psych, and I also liked pediatric brain injury. I worked in Boston at a terrific place called the Ivy Street School. Um, it was really the only place for children with brain injury after the hospital, and I loved that very, very much. That was really one of the last bigger jobs that I had. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and I was a nurse down there for four years after that, and I just kind of bounced around and floated. I'll always be a nurse. I will always have that license. I will always maintain it. I worked hard for it. Will I ever go back? Who knows? It is a very, very big part of me. You are also a wife and a mother. You have two daughters. Can we talk a little bit about your family? How did becoming a mother change you, Erica? You have to be responsible and present. And I think that getting into this business, when I get into it, changed me also because I care about my kids and my family so much that they come first all the time. So there have been roles that have come to me that sometimes may not be not only a good fit for me, really not a good fit for my family long term. So you have to look at that as well. You know, will this embarrass them? How will their friends react to this? Even though it might be a good opportunity for me. You got to be selfless when you have kids. 
Interesting. And both girls, you've told me before, really love acting too, right? Both girls, they love to sing. They play instruments. They've been in several shows. And now in high school. Are they good? Oh, I love listening to them sing. Yes, I love it. I could listen to them all day. Yeah, we have several guitars and ukuleles in my house. And they, what are you going to say if they come to you and say, "Hey, you know what? I, this is what I want to do. I want to. I want to try to have a career in music, or I want to. I want to be an actress." What are you going to say to them? It wouldn't surprise me at all. They've been acting longer than I have. They started with an improv troupe out of Hingham, like in kindergarten. I mean, they love it. And I think it's a really strong skill to have just as a person to be able to get on stage and to be able to speak in front of people. That's nerve-wracking to a lot of people. And to have that skill, I think, is very helpful in any aspect of work that you would go into, whether it's in this industry or any. I think it's really important to be able to have conversations with people. Is there a golden rule in your house? Are you and your husband strict parents? Paint us a little picture. I would say that I've heard my husband and myself say this, which is when you have a choice, do the right thing choose the right thing. That's one that we always say. And then we also have a rule in my house, which is never force anything. What would your best friend describe you as? They would probably say, oh, she's crazy, but in a good way. I bet you that most of my friends would describe me that way. (laughs) Crazy in a good way. Erica McDermott. (laughs) Motherhood changes us all. Yes. And it sounds to me like you have made your family your number one priority. What is mother love? I would describe it as it's challenging, but helping someone develop their own individuality and being open to wherever that path leads. Everybody's an individual. They're going to have their own ideas and their own wishes and wants trying to develop their own individuality. I remember you telling me that you were assisting as a cheerleading coach for your daughters. What have you gotten out of that? Oh, that was a lot of fun. I was a cheerleader growing up in high school and in middle school and for the town of Quincy. And that was a great way for me to get my energy out. I had a lot of energy then. I have a lot of energy now. And I loved it. And it it was great. I mean, the kids love to perform. And I think, again, I think it's really important to be able to get up in front of people and not have that fear become part of you. So many people are so afraid to speak in front of people. What if I make a mistake? What if I get up there and I trip? What if I fall? And to be able to think quick on your feet and to handle those situations. So for cheerleading, it was great to be part of a team. It was great to watch them dance and get some exercise and make friends in town. And it was a nice way for me to make friends and to bond with the kids in that kind of way. There is a certain authenticity that is required to playing a character from Boston. (laughs) What are those characteristics beyond sounding like you come from here? What do you try to fill your characters with when you're being someone from Boston? When you're being someone from Boston, I think it's really important to figure out exactly what part of Boston they're from because there are so many different dialects and so many different personality traits. There's a very big difference between North Shore and South Shore. Oh, yes. And you've had to, you've had to translate this for some big actors, haven't you? Yes. Yes. There's a really, really big difference. You eat different foods. You have different phrases. You have different lingo and different accents. There's even a big difference between Quincy accents and Southie accents. But accent really is very important, and a lot of people have a tough time nailing it. I find it very distracting when you watch a biopic in Boston or from Boston, not only because I'm from here, but when they don't sound the same. There are some actors who do incredible jobs with it, and then there have been some real botch (laughs) botch jobs out there. So let's talk a little bit about Manchester by the Sea. Yes. What a dark movie that was. It was so sad in so many ways. Talk a little bit about your character. 
So that one was very exciting. I got hired on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock and started Monday morning. Um, So I was really excited. They delivered the script to me on Sunday, and I read it at my house, and I cried more than once. I was shocked at how I thought my big cry was out at one point, and then a bigger cry came later on. And I remember when I met Keith, the director, I said, was this based on truth? Like, what made you write this? And he said, you know, doing film, it's just this is real. Sometimes even the smallest step of healing when someone is hurting, that small step is huge. He was an incredible director. He stuck to the script. I don't think anything was cut. Really? I don't think so. And this is Casey Affleck, right? Yes. And he received the Academy Award for his performance, did he not? He did. I just remember feeling the weight of the pain of his loss through the entire film to the point where it it hurt my shoulders, you know? Yeah. It was just so painful. And my only job in the film, which, you know, I was psyched that they hired me for, was to... You worked on a boat. I was like a boatyard boss. If you remember in the film, he's trying to get work in town. For some reason, like, why is this woman hating on him? Why isn't she going to hire him? I don't get it. Like, she really doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. That was my job, is to get the point across that, you know, there wasn't a lot of verbiage there. I think I definitely wouldn't have wanted to work for me. I, I watched that. I said, wow, you you really don't look like uh, you like him at all. But yeah, it was just, it was very, very, very sad. And everybody that I met who worked on the film was super nice. And it was local. It was filmed up in the Gloucester area, which is always nice. I'm a big fan of people filming here, if it's going to be here, yeah. of course couple questions I ask whenever I get a chance to sit across from someone on this show. What is your greatest strength, Erica? And then what is your greatest weakness, that one thing that you feel like you have to control or maybe learn a little more about yourself? I think it's a little bit of the same. I'm a risk taker. It's not in the dangerous kind of way. You don't want to go jump off a cliff I don't want to jump off a cliff or jump out of a plane or anything like that. I think that Saturday that I showed up at Boston Casting, that was a weird moment for me where I'm like, I cannot believe I'm here by myself. I've never done anything like this. I've never been an actor. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do this. And you know what? If I don't go in, the answer is going to be no. It's always going to be no unless you give it a try. My strength can also be my weakness in the same sense where sometimes the risks that I take in the business or not, whether I tell a joke that doesn't go over well or whether or not I go in and completely misread a character, to be risky, you need to see it through and be confident with the choice that you made. And sometimes that works for me and it's a strength and sometimes it doesn't and I learn from that and that's my weakness. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I talk to my husband is he, your, is he your person? Abs- he is so my person. Yeah, when it hits the fan, I need Bob McDermott. <laughs> yep, 100%. Bob McDermott, did you hear that we just gave you the biggest <laughs> shout-out on this show <laughs> ever? Yes. You had talked about Johnny Depp. Yes. Walking into a room and changing the energy of the room. To me, that's presence. What is your definition of star power? The part that I've liked the most is seeing someone who's generous such as Melissa Leo, such as Mark Wahlberg. You learn from people like that. Someone who takes the time to actually speak to you, wonder who you are and what you're about. Benedict Cumberbatch was like that as well. When you actually make a friend who sees you as a person, and that to me is really cool. And when you watch red carpets or you watch fundraising events on television and you see someone be real, I don't want to say that they use their stardom to do good, but they use the energy that they have 
to do good. That, to me, is star power. What's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? Oh, it's Angela Perry. She has a quote that she gave in the past year, I'd say, in Imagine Magazine. And I called her up and I said, this needs to be on your wall at Boston Casting. It has to be on the wall, which is walk in the room like your father owns the building. And I love that piece of advice. And I've said it to, I give her credit all the time. I'm like, that is the best. Success means different things to different people at different times in their lives. And I feel like we have these chapters, these seasons of our lives. In the season that you're in right now, what is success for you? Teaching my girls. Even though teen girls can be so tough, when I hear them not necessarily say things to me, things that I've taught them when I hear them say that to other people, that feels so good. When they have a choice to make, even though it might not be the easiest choice, they choose, choose to do the right thing, the kind thing. That's when you say to yourself as a mom, they really were listening. They were listening. They were listening. And I know that that wasn't easy. When you see your kids do something that was not easy for them and you watch them go through the thought process that you taught them and make a difficult decision that was the right thing to do, that feels so great. My final question has to do with bucket lists. What's next for you? I really would love to work on a television show. I really would. I think that would be a lot of fun. I would love to be able to use my Boston accent. And I would love to work here. There are some really great stories here in Boston. I love biopics. If I could get another biopic or another Boston-based show, that would be incredible. I would be so happy. I wouldn't even know what to do with myself. Yeah, it would be great if I could work here. Sometimes when you throw things out into the world, they come (laughs) back to you. What do you think? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. That would be so nice. Erica McDermott, I want to say thank you so much for being this week's guest on the story behind her success. Thank you so much for having me, Candy. It's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, candyoterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?